You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Wasn't it a beautiful day today? I, um, I skipped church this morning, I have to confess. Um, I was at a bike ride uh, and it, I shouldn't have skipped church. Um, the Lord was testing me and uh, within four kilometres of the bike ride, I got a puncture in the tyre. And so I said, yes, Lord, I received that. I received that correction. And, uh, and I, I thought, look, I'll do the most with what I've got. So I turned around at the halfway point of the bike ride and patched up the, the tube, put the tyre back on. And I thought, okay, I've received the correction of the Lord. Now I can finish the race. Anyway, um, got about 100 metres down the road and bang, the tyre went again. So uh, I'm pretty stubborn. So, but it's I'm, I'm, I'm getting the, the message loud and clear. It's great to have my youth pastor, Pastor Paul and Elise. Does it feel weird that I, I said that? A, a 31-year-old person? Um, just received that. Um, but I've got another shout-out. Now, you, would, you probably don't know or have noticed him on the way in, but at our sound desk uh, is Zach Dunikowski, and he's going to hate me for this. He's shaking his head. So um, I have to brag on this guy. He is an incredible human. 17, finishing grade 12 at high school, comes in every Friday, sets up our, our youth meeting for sound. But not only that, he has at the moment been going through the pilot testing for the RAAF. And uh, so he told me on, on Friday that a couple of days ago he, he sat for the testing, finished the test, and uh, he's waiting in a, in a waiting room with six other participants, six other people that uh, sat the test, and, and he's sitting there, and then five of them were ushered out into another room and said, we want to discuss your test results. He was the only person that passed. The only person that passed the... <laughs> Zach Dunikowski, ladies and gentlemen, a true legend. Uh, I want to preach uh, on a subject. We're coming into Easter, and uh, unfortunately, Easter just doesn't have that kind of uh, PC, PR kind of uh, men- like idea when, it, when we're talking about in the same way as Christmas does. You know, we, we can all get behind the baby Jesus, and it's cute and all of that, but Easter is a pretty horrendous time when you think about what it means for us, uh, when you think about what it represents, when you think about what it stands for. Uh, there's no real kind of PC moment that that we can uh, beautify that up. It was a pretty horrendous thing that Jesus bore on the cross. Uh, it was an instrument of torture. And, uh, but I want to have a look tonight at, a, at Jesus on the cross. He does something that's very peculiar, and I want to have a look at that tonight. And, and if you've read the story a million times, I guarantee you that you've possibly overlooked this particular fact. And so I want to I look in a bit of an obscure uh, thing that Mark records in the Gospel of Mark. And uh, so it's a bit of a long passage, but I want to just read it all, and then I want to take a couple of thoughts from that one. It says in, uh, in verse, Mark chapter 15, in verse 21, it says, A passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside just then, and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. They offered him wine, drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. Then the soldiers nailed him to the cross. They divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would get each piece. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. A sign announced the charge against him. It read, the 
king of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha, look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well, then save yourself and come down from that cross. The leading priests and teachers of religious law also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross so we can see it and believe him. Even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. And then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Lima, I'm not even going to try and say that, that word. Uh, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. Wait, he said, let's see whether Elijah comes to take him down. Now, I've just read that scripture and you might not have picked it up, but there was two times that Jesus was offered wine. Two times. The first instance, Jesus was offered wine with myrrh in it. It says drugged with myrrh, and Jesus refuses that wine. And then the second time, Jesus actually doesn't refuse the wine. And so I want to have a look tonight at why did Jesus accept the first wine, uh, sorry, reject the first wine, but but accept the second. Jesus had the option to take one wine but refused it and accepted the other. And I think, why why would the writer of this gospel note this? Why would he note this? I think that there's an important uh, lesson, there's an important insight that we can gain from this particular insight into Jesus' death and resurrection. And, uh, you know, the first instance found in Mark chapter 15, verses 23, it says that this was the wine that Jesus rejected. It was drugged with myrrh. Uh, so it was, a, it was a Roman custom, it was a Roman tradition that when people were suffering pain, particularly mortal pain, they would be given a wine that is laced with myrrh. And that particular wine would then numb the pain, it would numb the senses so that that person could then slip away. And Jesus actually rejects this particular Wine. See, it was meant to be a pain reliever. It was meant to numb the senses. And, and while Jesus, what Jesus would have been going through was horrendous, it would have just taken the edge off the pain. It was like what they would give morphine to soldiers in war times when they were beyond saving. They would just give them morphine so that they would slip away and not feel pain. It was the same kind of idea, probably not as potent, but just the same kind of deal. And Jesus rejects this. He says, no, I don't want that. I don't want that particular wine. And, And why does the Bible record this seemingly negligible point? It's because Jesus actually, Jesus was making a point. He was making a statement that I don't want to be numbed to what is going on. I want to make sure that I am coherent, I am clear, I am lucid so that I can see exactly what I'm doing for the humanity. I can see exactly what I'm doing for the salvation of all mankind. Uh, the other one found in Mac, uh, chapter, chapter 15 verses 36 Uh, It says, one of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so that he could drink. And then they say, wait, he said, uh, let's see whether Elijah comes to take him down. Now, at first glance, 
sour wine seems like a pretty cruel thing to do, particularly when Jesus' body would have been very mangled. Uh, there would have been cuts and bruises and everything, and sour wine would have got into all of those uh, cuts and bruises and just caused immense amounts of pain. Now, it would have been very, the way that we read it seems very harsh. It's a very cruel thing to do. But actually, what they were doing was something completely different to trying to inflict pain. They were trying to bring Jesus refreshment. See, when somebody, the, the sour wine that they would have been using would have been a wine-like vinegar type substance that laborers would have used in Rome. Uh, so guys that used to work in the sun, guys that would build things, they would, uh, they would drink this particular wine to refresh them so that they can continue going on and moving forward. And so in the two wines that Jesus was offered, one was to numb the pain and two was to refresh them. He rejected the one that numbs the pain but did not reject the one that brings refreshment. What, what, is, what does that mean for us? Well, I believe that Jesus doesn't want us to have a salvation that numbs the pain. He wants us to have a salvation that brings refreshment. Uh, you know, you know we're, not, we're not called to live outside of pain. We're not called to live outside of suffering, but we're called to live refreshed. We're not called to be numb to the pain. We're not called to be numb to the suffering, but we're called to be refreshed through it. And uh, so the wine that Jesus chose was the wine of refreshment. You know, we, we live in a world that loves to numb the pain, loves to numb the pain. Get me away from it. I'm just going to stay over here. I'm not going ex- to exist in that space. I'm not going to go through that. I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to withhold. I'm going to move away so that I don't have to deal with the pain. We live in a world that loves to numb the pain. But we need to be people that, that while pain comes, it's, it's, it's an inevitable part of life. We need to be people that don't numb ourselves from the pain, but refresh ourselves so that we can move forward. See, numbing did one thing. It would let the person slip away. They would slip away, and, and, it, and it wouldn't make much of a difference. They wouldn't feel the pain, whereas refreshment gave them the ability to move forward and move on and persevere. And even though Jesus' wounds were... Uh, immense and, and, and obviously going to take him to the grave, he chose the wine that would bring refreshment. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that it is your will that we would be refreshed. Lord, that we would not be aloof, we would not be numb, we would not remove ourselves, but Lord, we would be refreshed through pain. We would be refreshed through suffering. And Lord, I pray that for anybody that's experiencing pain or suffering in this room, whether it be physical, emotional, mental, Lord, we just pray that your refreshing Holy Spirit would come and bring refreshment in Jesus' name. Um, for those of you who don't know, I, I love to do long races. I love to do long runs and, and long bike rides and things like that. And even though my bike ride didn't go well this morning, I've actually done a couple of marathons. And 42 kilometers might not seem a long way in the car, but my goodness, it is a long way when you're running it. And, uh, and I remember my first marathon. Um, I had no idea what I was doing, no idea what I was getting into, no idea how it would hurt, no idea how it would feel. And I remember just running uh, what seemed for 
like days on end um, down the Gold Coast. And, and I just remember being in so much pain, um, like my pain had pain. That's how bad it was. Like my muscle tears had muscle tears. That's how horrendous it was. And I remember getting to, a, it was about the drink stop at about 36 kilometers. And uh, when you're running a marathon, it's not, you know, they say uh, it's, a, it's a race of two halves. It's not. It's a race of 32 kilometers and then 10 kilometers. And uh, you've just got to get through the last 10. There's no kind of easy way. There's no pretty way of getting through it. Uh, and so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm at the, the drink stop at 36, uh, at, at the 36 kilometer mark. And, and I just remember I saw, I saw this guy, one guy taking Nurofen and he was just, I, I couldn't count how many Nurofen he took. He took about four. And, uh, and I said, I said to him, oh, you're all right. He goes, oh, um, he goes, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to get by. I'm just trying to take the edge off the pain. And then I just saw another guy downing a water. And he said to this guy who was taking the Nurofen, he said, um, just, he goes, this will take, take the pain off, uh, the edge off any pain and just downs the water. And, and in the same way, it's like Jesus. Jesus, took, Jesus rejected the one that numbed the pain but took the one that refreshed him. And, and this guy, this particular gentleman used the water. And, you know, at that point, uh, at that 36-kilometer point, I could have uh, numbed the pain. I could have desensitized myself. But, my, but when you get to that stage, you need to be refreshed so that you can continually move your body forward so that you can keep pushing forward, keep pushing through, and keep pushing on. And, uh, and you know, it, when, it, when, when, pain, when pain comes, when it hurts, you know, pain relief can take the edge off it, but when refreshment comes, it gives us the ability to keep pushing through. See, water refreshes, and uh, you know, our, our society would take numbness over refreshment any day of the week. And so, you know, Jesus' words were not, when he says to the person, he says, when Jesus is on the cross, he doesn't say, I'm in pain, I'm sore. I'm, uh, my cuts are hurting. The, the words that he uses are, I thirst. You know, he didn't, he didn't describe his situation. He didn't describe his position, but he actually reached out for refreshment. And, uh, and, and you know, I was, I was struggling with this because Jesus could have cried out for anything. Give, you know, send your angels, come and take, them, come and take me down. But he's, he, his cry is for refreshment. His cry is for liquid to bring a refreshing, uh, a refreshing thing to his body. You know, we need to identify when we find ourselves in times of great pain, great stress, times of isolation, that you know, we shouldn't be looking to numb the pain. We should be looking to find refreshment. We should be looking for places that are going to bring refreshment. We should be looking for people that are going to bring refreshment. And we should be doing things that are going to bring refreshment in that season. Don't step away from it, but step to refreshment. C.S. Lewis says this, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew that a bottle of port would do that. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly do not recommend Christianity. There's going to be times when it's tough. But when, when we're a people that go after refreshment that comes from Christ, then, then you know, we, can, we can go past our understanding and our intellect. See, I've heard people say that... Um, you know, Christianity, it's just a crux. It's just for people who are unintelligent so that they can make 
meaning from their meaningless lives. I've, I've literally heard somebody say that. But I, I don't believe that at all. I believe that, that it, in, our, in our ability to, to experience pain and in our ability to move through that and find Christ, that is where we find our meaning. It's not so that we can give meaning just so that we can understand our existence. It's Christ gives us meaning, and in that we have our existence. See, I want to... I believe that there's five ways that we can find refreshment. Five ways that we can find refreshment. I only want to go through two tonight. And, uh, and, and then what we're going to do is we're just going to worship and allow the Spirit of God to refresh us. Because, you know, we come to a place like this and it can be very structured. You know, you, you come to church for an extended period of time, you know exactly what's going to happen. You know exactly when the guy's going to come out and ask for money. You know exactly when we're going to turn around and shake hands. You know exactly when we're going to sing the songs. And it can just become monotonous. It can just become a cycle. But, you know, I want us to actually be deliberate and be refreshed by the presence of God so that whatever we're struggling with and through, we can, we can reach for refreshment and not reach for numbness. See, the first refreshment that I believe, so the title of my message is Two Wines. I'm not a huge wine drinker. I hate this stuff. Um, you know, I, I tried a bit of wine once, just, just not my thing. See, I'm a sweet tooth person. Give me a can of Coke over a bottle of wine any day. But anyway, the title of my, my message tonight is Two Wines, because Jesus had two options. He had two wines, but he chose the one that would bring refreshment. See, the first, the first area in which I think that we need to find refreshment is in the area of one another. See, the first, the first way that we can find refreshment is with one another. Uh, you know, Jesus just didn't bring salvation so that we could have right relationship with, with him. He brought salvation so that we could have right relationship with one another. And, uh, and uh, there was a story of a woman in, in Alaska and uh, she was talking to her friend and she said, you know, how do I make sure that I don't get attacked by bears? And, uh, and, and her friend said, well, what you need to make sure you do is run in groups. She was a runner. She said, they said, run in groups because there was a particular woman that was just running and, and kind of unknowingly got between a, a bear mother and a bear cub. And uh, yeah, I'll leave the rest to your imagination. Um, but yeah, bad things happen when you're by yourself. You can't find refreshment when you're by yourself. And, uh, you know, uh, I, there's another, another quote from um, C.S. Lewis that says, He, God, will often work through people rather than perform miracles so that we will depend on, it, on each other for fellowship. And, uh, and you know, I, I believe that God can do miracles. I believe that God could bring healing. I believe that God can do all of those things. But I believe that God also places us in relationship so that we can bring healing to one another. The Bible says that. And, uh, and so if you're going through something tough and you're not in community, then can I encourage you, please get in community. Because that's the first area in which you're going to find refreshment. You can withdraw. You can just stand back and say, well, that's not for me. And you might be numbing the senses, you might be numbing yourself to that, but when you step into relationship, it brings refreshment. And, uh, and, and you know, when you step back, it, it breeds isolation, and that just kind of numbs the senses. But we're called to bring refreshment to one another. See, our vision here at Centro Church is people connected, communities transformed. And, you know, uh, communities aren't transformed when people are not connected. You know, we, we can say that 
and we can, we can believe in and we can get behind it, but until we actually live in community, live in connection, that's when communities become to, become to be transformed. When, when, and, and, you know, you might be here tonight and you, can, you might say, well, you know, I've done that. I've done small groups. I've done cell groups. I've done home groups. I've done life groups. I've done connect groups. It's just, you know, it's just not my thing anymore. You might be 100% refreshed. Here's my challenge. Refresh somebody else. Um, you know, our, our community needs you. Our community needs what you bring to the table. Our community needs what, 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 what wisdom that you've gained throughout the years. It brings refreshment. And Jesus didn't, t- Jesus didn't uh, take the numbness so that we could withdraw. He took the refreshment so that we could refresh one another. You know, uh, we don't we don't just believe in connect groups for the sake of it. You know, we don't just say, get into a connect group because we've got nothing better to say. It's Jesus' plan. Uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't taste good to be refreshed. I'll be honest. Does anybody remember Sal Vital? Like, it, I, I remember it distinctly. It's this blue tin, and it's like light blue, and it's, it's disgusting. Um, but after a vomiting bug or after I'd been on a long run, mum would make me a cup of Sal Vital. What a blessed woman. Um, and uh, it's like, it's horrible. It's like, I can't describe it. It's like salty, but it's not. It's like, it's like a salty soft drink. It was horrendous. I don't recommend it. If you see it in the supermarket, don't just give it a wide berth. Um, but, but, tru- but it's very refreshing. Like you would take it and it would turn your face inside out, but it was very refreshing. It would replace salts and, and all of that that your body had left, uh, had, had lost. And, you know, sometimes refreshment can be hard to stomach. Sometimes one another can be hard to stomach. But the truth of the matter is if you invest in it and if you're consistent, it will bring refreshment to your life. It'll bring refreshment to your family. It'll bring refreshment to your marriage. It'll bring refreshment to whatever you want to put your hand to. See, Paul, who probably was the one that suffered the most outside of Christ for the gospel, uh, who wrote most of the New Testament, writes to the, first, to, to the first churches because he recognized that he needed people to refresh him. Now, in terms of uh, biblical literacy, he literally wrote the book on it. Uh, he literally wrote the book on the church. But he still identified his need for people. In Philemon chapter 1, verses 4 to 7, it says this, and Paul's writing to this particular gentleman. He says, I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. And I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Paul recognized he needed other people to refresh him. And, you know, we, we need to be people who are sharp, sharp in our workplaces, sharp in our universities, sharp in our high schools. But the only way that we get sharp is when we're refreshed by one another. And, uh, and, and we're encouraged by one another. So can we, be a, can we be a church that doesn't just do connect groups, but we believe in connect groups? We're a part of a connect group. You know, I know people that are part of like four connect groups because they just can't get enough. Um, it's like over-refreshment. Um, but let's be people that refresh one another. The next source of refreshment that I want to have a look at tonight, and if the singers and musicians could join me, I want to call this, this part of refreshment, it's us and him. 
It's an us and him refreshment. So, you know, we can get refreshed by, by hanging out with one another, by, run, uh, by encouraging one another. But, you know, the way that we get around this whole argument of Christianity is just a crux for you. It's like, you might think that it's a crux, but you don't know the relationship that I have with my God. And, uh, and, you know, people can say that it's a crux. People can say that it's, it's morphine for the soul, but they haven't experienced what I've experienced. And if we're not careful in continuing that experience, then we begin to believe the doubts that they put into our heads. Uh, you know, I can take you back to when I first experienced Jesus for myself, when I first experienced, uh, you know, just the peace of God in my own life, but I can't keep going back there. I need to make sure that I'm pushing forward into connection with Him. And, you know, I think that sometimes if people heard the prayers that I pray, I'm guilty as anybody, it would almost appear as if I'm trying to numb the pain. Lord, give me this. Lord, take this away from me. Lord, do this. But, but I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about praying like that. I'm talking about just having a connection with God, having a connection with Christ. Because, it, it, you know... And, and there's nothing wrong with those prayers. There's nothing wrong with asking God for things, but as part of a conversation, as part of a relationship, it's not this kind of top-down tier level where I'm going to beseech Him so that He can give me what I want. It's a relationship so that as we walk together, He grants me the desires of my heart. See, there's nothing wrong with asking for those things, but when we're in relationship with Him, that's where the refreshment comes. You know, answering the prayer doesn't necessarily bring refreshment, but spending time and spending intimacy with Him does. And, and you know, I and we, we can get so busy in our lives. And I think that now our life is just rocketing through at a, at a horrendous pace. But if we're not careful to have us and Him time, to have connection time, then we're just going to be running on empty. And, and we need to have the refreshment that comes when we're able to connect with our Savior, when we're able to actually partake in what He gained on Calvary. See, I don't think you can get a better picture of this than in, than in Psalm 23. When David writes, The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. That's what I want. That's what I want. I don't want the wine that numbs the senses. I don't want the, the, the wine that necessarily takes away the pain. But I do want the refreshing wine that comes through intimacy with God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 